Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard another great episode of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield, your host. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Baltimore Sun Newspapers, and Chris Trevello is our producer. Chris and I are fresh off of our red eyes from Tahoe, uh, but ready to jump into some great stuff this week, and it is a big week. It's late in the fall season, and it's crunch time. We have teams in the NCAA tournament, men's soccer, and teams in their conference tournaments, water polo and volleyball. And Navy football is on the road to Orlando to play the current best team in the American Athletic Conference. But let's switch it up and start with some BZs and other news first. I mentioned volleyball. Navy volleyball players Maggie Bodman, Avery Miller, who has been on the pod before, and Jordan Llewellyn received postseason awards. Bodman got first team all-league accolades while both Miller and Llewellyn were named to the league's second team. And that league's and that league's best team, in my opinion, the Navy Midshipmen, uh, advanced to the conference semifinals with a huge win uh, last night over American. They got it done, uh, winning three sets to one, uh, and that pits them against Army this coming weekend. We'll see what happens when they go up to Colgate Uh, to uh, play Army in the semis, hopefully getting an opportunity to play for the conference title the next day. Uh, But awesome news for women's volleyball to to defeat American and get on the road for the uh, semis. We're looking forward to them avenging that Army loss. Wags, thoughts on a, I wouldn't say an unexpected um, uh, result in the the quarters, but this was a win they had to get, and I think that they've got some work to do against an army team that's punked them twice this year. Yeah. Army is the, the stumbling block and uh, you got to hope you can get them in the tournament. That would wipe out the two regular season losses. Got to give uh, Ashley Warren Smith's kill of the fourth set and 16th of the match accounted for the last swing of the victory over American and uh, Wesley Brown Fieldhouse was rocking John and Paco Labrador gave huge, credit to the brigade for coming out and supporting the team. He called it the X factor and said that they really lifted the midshipmen. So, I mean, it means a lot when the mids get out there and support their, their fellow athletes in various competitions. So that was huge. And now we'll see what happens up at army. Uh, Didn't win the star last year. Didn't win the star and got swept this year. Uh, It's time to exact some revenge up at host Colgate. Uh, this weekend. Hopefully we can, uh, the third time is the charm against Army. Um, Just days, ladies and gentlemen, after leading the midshipmen to the Patriot League Championship, sophomore goalkeeper Pierce Holbrook um, was named the Naval Academy Athletic Association Athlete of the Week. A Patriot League all-tournament team selection, Pierce continued an impressive November this past week by going two clean sheets Uh, to help us to the Patriot League tournament title. And if you were living under some sort of a large boulder, uh, you missed the fact that Navy is going to play Georgetown in the NCAA tournament. 
First time since 2013, these 1964 national champions are going to make another run at the title, starting with Georgetown Thursday at noon. Little shout out to Georgetown and American University down there. Build some lights. Like, why do we have to play matinee games because your venues are so bush league and you don't have lights? Build some lights. Uh, that's my rant and TED Talk for today. Let's go on. Congrats, because not only does the Naval Academy create amazing athletes, we create amazing scholars. And Midshipman First Class Benjamin Kwong was recently selected as the Naval Academy's 55th all-time Rhodes Scholar. Over 840 applicants were endorsed by 244 schools. Only 32 people were selected, and Kwong was one of them. He's a cyber operations major passionate about sustainable energy policy and hopes to research ways in which to transition renewable energy might bolster U.S. national security. He's a member of the Navy club volleyball team and plans to pursue his master of science in sustainability enterprise and environment at Oxford. After finishing at Oxford, he is going to be a naval aviator and obviously an underachiever. Speaking of achievement, service assignments come out uh, this is the week of service assignments when people get their envelopes. I believe it's Thursday. Uh, so best of luck to all the athletes out there getting their, uh, getting their envelopes. We're always thinking of them. What a great event every year. Um, remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you open that envelope and it says surface warfare, there's nothing to be upset about. It's amazing. Wags, before we go to the break and start breaking down a little bit of the UCF game coming up, there was one other result this week that was sort of head-scratching after starting the season 2-0. Navy men's basketball played Coppin State. I like to call them the Fighting Juan Dixons. Um, and the result was not what we expected. Uh, Tyler Nelson continues to impress. So does Sean Yoder. But a very quizzical loss to a Coppin State team, I would uh, think, is your opinion, right, Wags? Well, Coppin State is vastly improved. I mean, Juan Dixon, the former Maryland great, has been there a few years and has been able to build the program. And he got a big-time transfer in his guy, Sam Sessoms, and he killed Navy. Um, 24 points. He's making threes, five three-pointers. Um, you know, the guy's a great talent, and somehow he kept getting open. Navy was losing him, which was – that's really head-scratching there. Um, but Chellis was not happy. He just didn't feel like the team played the way it did in the first two – Contest at William and Mary, and then the uh, and the Veterans Classic against Princeton. Um, so, but you know, give Cop and credit. They're on their home floor. They're an approved team, and they've got a big time transfer who can play. Uh, Christian Jones. Uh, that's one positive. Um, he had scored twenty points in fifteen games his entire career, and he scored eleven in the first half against Cop and State. So that's a, a positive. Christian Jones is a local guy. Went to Annapolis High. And, you know, we've been kind of waiting for him. Uh, and it, it's the end of the line. It's a senior year, and you either do it now or you don't. So I'm glad to see Christian step up, and I hope he continues to play well and earn his playing time because uh, he has not played hardly at all for three seasons. Um, going to have to battle back. Uh, that's It's a tough loss. It's a setback, but that's what non-conference schedule is for. You test yourself, you have some ups and downs, and then hopefully come Patriot League play, you're ready to go. Yeah, Wags, I've got to give Coach DeCellis credit. Uh, when we had him on for the season preview and I and we asked him about players we should keep an eye on, he started mentioning 
you know, the players coming back and Inge and Dorsey having surgeries and coming back and some of the plebs. And then he said, Christian Jones, watch out for him. And I had to literally go onto the roster and find out who he was. Uh, but yeah, he had a great game, albeit in a losing effort. These boys have a chance to turn frowns upside down on Friday as they welcome in UC San Diego to Alumni Hall. That is a 7 p.m. tip. If you can't make it, listen to the sweet dulcet tones of Pete Medhurst on WNAB. Uh, there's also a yeah, six foot five gentleman who used to shoot threes who does that with Pete. His name's Mike Heary. Speaking of making it to games, Wags is doing a little road trip this weekend, ladies and gentlemen, as Navy football is taking on UCF. The fighting Gus Malzons are going to welcome in Kenny Niamatololo and a hungry Navy football team, a team coming off of a good performance against Notre Dame, and now they're playing the best team in the American Athletic Conference, Wags. Uh, this team didn't get a whole lot of love in last night's college football playoff rankings, but they are explosive. They are athletic. They are in position to get that New Year's Day Bowl is the one outlier to the Power Five. Uh, so, Wags, you're going to be going down to Florida, fitting in some golf, um, and and hopefully watching Navy kind of disrupt a, a team's postseason dreams, right? Well, that's what Navy's going to be trying to do, play spoiler, because Central Florida is uh, in good position to be in the American Athletic Conference championship game. Obviously, they're atop the standings. Uh, they're tied record-wise with Cincinnati and Tulane, but they've beaten both of those teams head-to-head, -head, so they they have the tiebreaker. And so they just got to take care of business. They got to beat Navy and South Florida, which are two teams at the lower tier of the standings. So well, you would think things shape up well. And Navy's goal is to go out there and, and shock the world and ruin the day for Central Florida. Obviously, the two most recent games give Navy great preparation. You can't have much better preparation than to play Cincinnati and Notre Dame back to back. And Navy played tough in both of those contests and that they just got to start better, John. I mean, that's what coach Kenny Matalolo said on Monday is the slow starts. It's just killing Navy in every game that Navy's lost. They've given up the first score of the game. And it's just when they don't give up the first score of the game. And if Navy can score first, it changes everything. An option team doesn't want to have to play from behind and against Notre Dame, it was 14 nothing in a blink of an eye. And you're just, you, it's tough because you run a very methodical offense and it takes time to score and you're using up the clock. And, you know, we talked about this on the pod, but that first drive of the first half or second half of against Notre Dame when he took almost 10 minutes off the clock and ended up with a field goal, that's almost like a loss because you've got to finish with touchdowns. And that's the message this week. Got to possess the ball. Got to eat up the clock, keep a very powerful Central Florida offense off the field, but you have to finish with touchdowns because they're going to score them. And you're not going to beat this team 18 to 12 or 17 to 14. You're going to have to beat them 28, 24 or something of that nature. Uh, John, they got a quarterback who's exciting to watch. John Reese Plumley. He's a transfer from Mississippi, two sport athlete, was a big baseball and football star in high school. Played both of those sports at, at Ole Miss. Um, kind of was – he wasn't the starting quarterback at Ole Miss. He was briefly when the starter got injured. But when the starter came back, they moved him to wide receiver. That's how good of an athlete 
this guy is. He played wide receiver at Ole Miss. Um, but, John, he has rushed for over 700 yards. So he is quite the running threat as a quarterback. Um, and that gives you problems because you just never know when he's going to take off. So you basically have to take at least one defender to spy on Pumley to make sure that you, you're always keeping an eye on him. So going to be a tough matchup. Coach Nehemiah said speed, speed, speed everywhere on both sides of the ball. Incredible speed for Central Florida. That's going to be tough for Navy always. So we'll see, John. Yeah, the uh, UCF enters play as the number five rushing offense in the country. We're the number six rushing defense in the country. So something's got to give. Wags is exactly right. Plumlee has rushed for 700 yards. I've watched this team the last couple of weeks. I really like them. They are impressive. And I think, Wags, when you go down there, you're going to see something pretty neat in person. And maybe, you know, two straight years of having a team represent the American Athletic Conference in a really high-profile bowl. If you look at them right now, they're 17th in the AP poll. They have five Pac-12 teams ahead of them five SEC teams ahead of them, three Big Ten teams, two ACC teams, and TCU. There's a lot of volatility in front of them and teams that are going to knock each other out, like UCLA, USC, and Utah in the Pac-12, Oregon included in that. LSU, Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia, all of those teams, although I don't think anyone's knocking off Georgia. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State having to play each other Thanksgiving weekend. So this is a team that if they beat those two aforementioned walkovers, which I know a lot of people are looking at Navy and South Florida as, they are in a position to finish really, really high, and that's a credit to Gus Malzahn. Before we go out and get Chris's assessment of the line and the predictions, other names to look out for, junior running back R.J. Harvey is pretty good. He averages 7.3 yards a carry. Those are like Barry Sanders numbers. And senior wide receiver Ryan O'Keefe leads the receiving core. He's got 567 yards and four TDs this year. So uh, keep an eye on them. We're keeping an eye on uh, Xavier Arline and him getting comfortable uh, in his role as the starting quarterback. I thought Keenan on last week's Uh, review um, of the Notre Dame game talked really well about how Xavier looked and how we need to get over this idea um, of huddling every play and and hurrying up the offense and and really injecting some life into it. And I'm looking forward to Xavier reaching out and and accepting this challenge against an amazing football team on Saturday. Chris Cervello, over to you. Well, first off, John, um, extremely excited about hosting Wags and his better half, Carol, uh, this weekend uh, down at Hammock Beach uh, for uh, this uh, this big game. So it'll be great to spend a little time with Wags and watch some great Navy football. You know, Wags is exactly right. We've said this the last two weeks. Navy has to perform on on all sides of the ball. And I think the coaches need to do a better job of getting the plays in, of not wasting critical timeouts, of managing the clock better. I don't want to pick on them. You know how much I love uh, the Navy coaches, but I think they have to have their best day as well as the athletes uh, having their best day if we're going to beat a team like UCF. There can be no mistakes. Um, We have to play our best ball. We have to call our best ball if we're going to beat this UCF team. Absolutely agreed. Wags, your final assessment and prediction. Well, it's going to be a tough ask. I mean, I think Navy will represent itself well. Um, I don't expect Navy. What's what is the line, Chris? Wags, it's 16 and a half with the over under right now at 53. 
basically the exact same as Notre Dame. Well, Navy is covered for two straight weeks, and I think uh, Navy will do so again. Xavier's getting more comfortable with the offense, as John mentioned. Um, I think uh, I'm, I'm really hopeful that Navy can finally explode like they did against Tulsa and really uh, explode offensively and get it done. Um, so hopefully, uh, I don't know if we're going to see an upset, but I just want to see Navy show well going in, go into Army game with a lot of confidence on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I agree. I'm looking forward to them continuing the upward trend. I, I liked what I saw in the second half against Notre Dame. I think this is a great opportunity for people to show that they need to be on the field in Philly against Army. So look at it as a little bit of a dress rehearsal. If you want to go out there and help us win the star in December, then show out in Orlando like Wags is. Before we get into our interviews, I just want to thank our sponsors. As always, Academy Securities, Dry D5. Uh, Admiral Tom Lynch and New Day USA, um, Scott Shooter and the Shrek Realty Group at Berkshire Hathaway, and of course, NAAA for their support. One of our great sponsors is ProMD Health in Annapolis. Uh, their owner and founder, Scott Melamed, is a great friend of the pod, a sponsor this year, and has a great story. We just came out of Veterans Day weekend and without any further ado, we'd love for you to hear Scott's story and why he is one of our favorite sponsors of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Here is Scott Melamed. Scott Melamed of ProMD Health. If you haven't heard us doing the ad reads all season, you've got to listen better because ProMD Health is your local Annapolis source for your health spa needs. Do you need Botox? Do you need filler? Do you just want to feel better about yourself? ProMD Health is where you go. I have been there. They are great friends of the pod, great supporters of veterans, great supporters of the U.S. Naval Academy. And we cannot be happier to welcome Scott Melamed. Scott, I believe you're the president of ProMD Health here in Annapolis. Is that true? Correct. Yep. Yep. President with uh, my uh, business partner, Dr. George Gavrilla, another Annapolis local. So we hope to see you down at the shop. Absolutely. Well, you know, Scott... The podcast has always been about, for the three years we've been doing it now, it's always been about talking about the stories behind the X's and O's, behind the box score, um, what grads have gone on and done with their lives, you know, how they've handled adversity and gone on to do special things that are not about themselves, but about giving back. I, I have always been so inspired by your story. 9-11 um, has a very special role in your life. Your family has a history of service. Yeah. Can you introduce our listeners a little bit to your past and, and what has kind sure. of framed and motivated your life of service um, based on that? Yeah, man. So, you know, I got my start in New York as a firefighter uh, in the product of, uh, of two police officers, both NYPD. You know, my father, who you know, is uh, uh, currently battling cancer for that he got it from 9-11. So he's hanging in there fighting, fighting the good fight. So definitely appreciate the uh, you know the veteran sacrifice, especially on, on Veterans Day. It's always been really important to us. You know, my grandfather was Navy. My father, other grandfather was Army at D Day, and then died at 100 on D Day, the anniversary. So you know, part of me thinks that he held on such a significant part of a of, of these guys' lives. Man, they were the greatest generation, and I hope you know that through guys like you, you know, we're going to see another great generation coming up through the Naval Academy. So I'm really excited about it. And then, you know, I, I got into our business because of uh, my business partner, Dr. George Gavrilla, and I shared a vision that, you know, 
a medical practice should also give back to the community. So in 2017, we founded ProMD Helps, which is our charity foundation. And that's kind of my driving force. So, you know, we help people look and feel their best while giving back to the community through service and philanthropy. That's, that's our mission. The office um, here in Annapolis is on uh, Defense Highway, I think, defense. right? Defense. Yep, yeah. it's on One, Defense 166 Highway. Defense Highway. So what is kind of yep. the suite of services that are available um, to our listeners if they go in? You know, walk us through what the suite of services are and, and how it makes people feel better. Yeah. So, you know, obviously on the, you know, look good side, we have your Botox, your fillers, whether you're trying to enhance something that you like about yourself or trying to prevent something that you do like about yourself from going away with age, we've got you there. But then we also have a full suite of, uh, of hormone therapy options and body sculpting and that kind of stuff. And we had just got a new device that builds muscle for guys, you know, guys that want to enhance their, their gym supplementation. And we do a, a 10% discount for, you know, military veterans, active duty, obviously, fire police, EMS, and their spouses. And that was kind of my mission, being a former fireman and now working in, you know, an industry that is not typically caters to firemen, is to open it up and realize that these services really do benefit us. You know, everybody should have the option to look and feel their best, not just uh, Mr. and Mrs. Howell from Gilligan's Island. Amazing reference that I love, of course. Well, we thank you for your support, Scott. We thank you for everything that you continue to do to advocate for first responders, particularly those who have been so adversely affected by the effects of 9-11, like your father, who is a hero to me, as I know that he's a hero to you. Scott, thank you for being a loyal uh, listener and supporter of the pod, and we can't wait to have you on again. All right, John. Thank you, and thank you for your service. No, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Scott Melamed, president of ProMD Health in Annapolis, They are who you go to for your health needs. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we have our next segment. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. Navy men's basketball hosts two exciting home games this weekend as they take on UC San Diego Friday night at 7 p.m., followed by a matchup with Youngstown State this Sunday at 2 p.m. The first 150 fans to Friday night's contest will receive the first poster in our World War II themed mini poster series. Then on Sunday, fans are encouraged to donate to our canned food drive benefiting the Anne Arundel County Food Bank. Fans who donate at least three canned or non-perishable food items will receive free admission to Sunday's game. And then mark your calendar for the weekend of November 26th and 27th and make plans to visit Navy's Winter Wonderland at Alumni Hall. The men's basketball team hosts Mount St. Mary's at 11 a.m. on the 26th. And then the women's basketball team will host the annual Navy Classic all weekend long. Throughout the weekend, the Winter Wonderland will be filled with holiday activities for kids of all ages. And the best part, admission to all five games being played at Alumni Hall that weekend are free. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. It is time for this week's coaches segment, and we are happy to be joined, as always, by wrestling coach, head coach, Kerry Colat. Coach, number one, thank you for coming back and joining the podcast. Number two, you've got a pretty big weekend ahead of you with the Navy Invitational, but walk me through the first month from the blue and gold wrestle-offs in late October to where you are now. Kind of chronicle where, where you've seen the growth in the team and what and what the ceiling possibly is this season because the results have been pretty good from our perspective so far. 
Yeah, sure. Um, so taking it back, um, I think preseason training went went really well. Uh, we've you know we've got a different team. I'm starting our my third season with my staff here, and so every year we've kind of progressed training and where we saw the guys at and what what they were capable of handling. And and um, you know I think we've squeezed them down a lot tighter this year than we've done in the past. And and um, you know and built them up physically and mentally. You know, so training. Um, I thought training this summer went well. I thought the preseason went well, and then we rolled into to the blue and gold. Um, you know, obviously that's an inner squad competition, you know, I mean, it, traditionally people look at it as wrestle offs, but we've always said, you know, wrestle offs don't, you know, it's, it's, it's competition. It's to get the guys in front of a crowd, put a singlet on them, get, get the nerves out a little bit, make, make weight for the first time, get down and get adjusted. Um, but we really gauge the, the starting lineup and who it's going to be based on performance as events go forward, which is why we, we run tournaments up front in the beginning, um, went to the clearing open. I thought they they did well. You know, I thought in practice we looked good, but when you're wrestling the same guys over and over again, you get the you uh, you naturally get a feel for each other and how to compete against each other. So when you get uh, against different competition and get to see it, we get to really see where the holes are. I didn't think we did bad at Clarion. Um, you know, I wasn't jumping up and down walking out of there, but I thought it was a good gauge. And then I think last week at Binghamton, um, you know, we had, had installed some things in the practice room. You know, technically, mentally. And, um, you know, I thought our guys were really coachable at Binghamton and looked really, really good. And I, the big thing was they were being coachable and, and they listened and they responded. Um, so if we keep that mindset from Binghamton and continue to improve upon it, uh, you know, we'd, we'd like to see another good weekend with the Navy Classic and each and every weekend thereafter. And, and um, so I think we're in a good place right now for, for Navy wrestling. Yeah, Coach, I'll kick it over to Wags because there's been one name that's been coming up in all of these results uh, that's been making news, at least on our podcast. Wags, take it away. Well, I'll actually get to some of the individuals in a moment, but let's start off with you said third season, and do you feel like you're, you and your staff are able have been able to establish the culture, the style, everything? I mean, first season was 2020, which was kind of a wash. You didn't have as many competitions as you'd like. You weren't able to get some of your non-starting wrestlers out into uh, open tournaments like the ones you've just been in. So you, know, you almost lost the season, really. So yeah. do you feel like now you really have established your culture and your style of what you expect out of Navy wrestlers? Yeah, I, I, I think we finally have, have settled in, you know, taking over during that COVID and short year and and uh, basically having a group of guys with which they had their toolbox and you know, we strategically took a plan of not to implement too many things because we only had a short window to get to know them. And so it was just sharpening what they had. And then the next season, we got a little bit further into the group. And now I think where we're at, we have guys who are going to be under their third season of wrestling under us. And and we obviously obviously have some freshmen, you know, hitting the lineup or plebes. So um, but I feel like it's it's becoming better and better established with, you know, the way we we should wrestle, what's expected. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is what we expect out of them, what they expect out of themselves. And, yeah, so I, I feel what you're, you're saying. I, I feel it now, finally. And then going back to the Blue Gold Wrestle-Offs, you moved that event to Dahlgren Hall, which is a pretty cool you know, arena, if you will. I mean, it used to be that club ice hockey was held there, but that's moved over to the to the uh, physical mission center across the Severn River. So Dahlgren Hall is there for the for the using. Um, how is that event going? You put the lights on the mat. You got to have, I think you probably even get pretty good crowds. Are you happy with that new tradition of having the blue gold rest walls at Dahlgren? 
Yeah, yeah, we love it. And, you know, and last year we had, uh, I think we hosted Claren in there as well. This year we're going to host, um, I'm pretty sure it's it's Hofstra in there. Um, and, and the fans like it, you know, they, they like to be, you know, wrestling's, uh, you know, it's a pretty, it's a competitive sport. So it's, it's a pretty intimate sport. And so the fans love being mat side and right up there and hearing the guys hit the mat and get after it. So we like it. We like the change of venue. Our guys really like it. Um, you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's a great place for us. And so when it makes sense for us to put a, an event in there, we're going to do it. Looking at some individuals, Andrew Sonigli is a guy that's been around, I think he's been to nationals a couple of times. What are you expecting out of Andrew? Uh, we expect him to lead by example. I mean, his wrestling, we feel like has improved every year. I think he's really sharp right now. Um, you know, for Clarion, we, we, uh, we sat him um, and then we brought him out for, for Binghamton. I think he, I know, I think he might've put 50 some points up on his competition this weekend, wrestling at Binghamton, walked out as a, you know, we had five finalists. He was one of our three champions. Um, I thought he looked good overall in the finals. He faced a kid with a uh, long, lanky body, strong in positions. Um, you know, and sometimes you're going to wrestle these guys that, you know, they're just difficult. And uh, he overcame it. I think a year or two ago, he might have got frustrated. He didn't get frustrated. He recognized the style he was up against. And so I think he's finally really matured. And, and so we expect big things out of him as well as a couple others this year. So the guy John was referencing was Cody Grice, your heavyweight. And last year he was not the starter, although he did start a couple dual meets. You kind of went back and forth until it looks like you settled on Ryan Katka as your primary heavyweight. And he had a good season. He went 23 and eight. Yeah. Grice was 19 and six. And Riley Smith uh, was also factored in the heavyweight. But clearly with two tournament titles under his belt already, Cody Grice has really, I'm sorry, Grady, Grady Grice. Yeah, let's start over again. Let's get that right. The wrestler that John was referencing is uh, Grady Grice, your heavyweight. And last season, he was not the starter. You flipped around a little bit, went with a bunch of different guys, and ended up settling on Ryan Cacta, who had a good season, went 23 and 8. Grady Grice went 19 and 6. And Riley Smith also wrestled a lot of matches. But it appears that Grady Grice has clearly improved with two tournament titles under his belt already. Yeah, you know, Grady, um, he's been here for two years. His first year, he was he had a, a medical issue and and um, you know, he just he sat dormant for for a good six months till we could get that taken care of. Last year, him and we had three good guys. We had we had options at heavyweight. Um, this year we have three good guys, so we still have options at heavyweight, but but Grady's been looking really good. You know, he looked good in the blue and gold, he looked good at Claren, he looked good at, at Binghamton, he looked really good at Binghamton. Um, you know, so you know. I, I don't like it's early in the season. I don't like to sit here and, 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 you know, pick guys for the spots. I think, you know, I tell them all the time, the spot is still open and we're gauging it on competition, but you know, Grady is having a good year. So he's, he's definitely the front runner, I would say at this point. And his, and his attitude has been great. And again, really coachable this season to listen to his, uh, his, his main coach Blaze Cabell, who's our upper weight coach. And, and uh, he's been really responsive to it. Another veteran we should talk about is your 197-pounder, Jacob Koser, who's the team captain. He also came away from Bearcat Open with a championship. Uh, Jacob providing good leadership in and out of the room. Yeah, Jake's been good. I think that role um, suits him good because he carries some extra responsibilities for the team, um, you know, in that leadership capacity. So it, it, he's looked really, really good on the mat. He looked really good at Binghamton. Um, again, we we had implemented changes and we saw him pulled out. I actually 
you know, the one thing we saw from him this weekend is him really getting his teammates fired up to, uh, to achieve the, you know, the team goals, you know, of not just going there and, and winning and, and putting five guys in the finals. I mean, we had some individual things that we wanted to see and, and he was instrumental this weekend in doing that. And, and his, his teammates and his group responded to him well. So him being in a team captain role is really good. Him not being in that role, um, you know, maybe his wrestling doesn't jump up. And now, you know, sometimes you put pressure on somebody, hey, you got to lead and you got to lead by example when he's doing that. Two other guys who are talented and have done good things here. Obviously, Josh Coderham was only a plebe last year, but he's back. He's a very talented wrestler. And David Key, who's been around and done some good things. Uh, you feel like those two guys are ready to really step it up? I mean, I'm kind of looking here and thinking, you know, you got five or six guys that are in contention for EIWA and getting to nationals at least. And that's, we're early in the season. We don't know about freshmen such as Jacob Lucas and others that you're looking at, but uh, Coder Hanton key. And then maybe just talk about your goals as you go to EIWA is, is Navy ready to jump up to another level EIWA wise. Yeah. I mean, well, that that's always the plan, right? It, and um, I think we have the maturity with these guys right now um that that we should make moves at the EIWA tournament you know and and you know Coder Coderhan has lost twice in the finals the last two events and it's it's come down to a you know pretty much a simple mistake in in each bout and that's you know those are the things that you find early and you go back and you fix them in the room I mean he was in here on on Monday trying to fix it on his own then Tuesday he was back in here fixing the mistakes that he made and and the same from David Key you know we saw so David Key put himself in, in position, you know, the last two events as well. And, and David has become more offensive, which was one thing we were on. We were asked him to, to add more offense, you know, to his takedown game, which he's done. He was in a real barn burner in, in um, you know, in the in the semis at the Binghamton tournament. You know, he, I, we, we say basically he wrestled a clone of himself. They both wrestled similar. They both were exhausted. So then it came down to who was going to hang on and fight longer. And, and David did that, you know, and I think that's, you know, the training and, and the pushing he's doing for himself right now. Well, coach, before we let you go, if you can just preview the Navy classic for us, who are some of the teams coming in? What are some of the matches that people should be looking for? Because if you're in the Annapolis area, ladies and gentlemen, 9am bright and early at West Brown, you can watch the Navy classic and the Navy wrestlers out there. So coach, before we go out a little bit of a preview, what will people see? Yeah, I think we, we have a variety of schools coming. We always try to mix it up with the conferences. So we're going to see MAC schools. We're going to see some Big Ten schools. Um, you know, some SOCON schools will be in there. So it's a variety of mix. We want it that way. So we, we get a chance to see these guys that we may see at the NCAA tournament if they're not in our conference. Um, you know, I, I think the, the goal is for us to continually in, improve and, and step up. Our guys know that. So we're looking to, you know, springboard from the Binghamton performance and, and continue to perform in, in our own home event where the guys don't have to go far. They've got the, the comforts of home, but, you know, we just got to make sure they don't get too comfortable and ease in. We like being on the road as well because it keeps them on edge. Um, but, yeah, if you're in the local area, come down, support the Navy wrestling team and, and stop in. You'll see some wrestling from every conference in the nation just about. Yeah, it's an awesome event. Um, loved it last year. Uh, again, 9 a.m. at West Brown, ladies and gentlemen, for the Navy Classic. After that, Coach Kerry Kolat's boys go out to Vegas for Cliff Keen, December 2nd and 3rd. And then you have one more chance to see them before the calendar switches over to 2023 when they host the vaunted Maryland Terrapins December 11th at 2 p.m. What better way? 
to spend that weekend than to watch Army Navy, Navy beat the hell out of Army in football, and then come back down and watch Coach Colat's boys beat Maryland. Coach, thank you so much for coming on and previewing the season. We look forward to talking to you again as uh, we go into 2023, particularly in and around that Army star match in February. So good luck this weekend. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Coach Kerry Colat of Navy Wrestling. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Wags, Chris and I are going to bring this baby out. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, one more set of announcements from our friends at NAAA. The Navy women's basketball team returns to Alumni Hall Tuesday, November 22nd to take on Monmouth at 7 p.m. Fans are encouraged to donate to the canned food drive benefiting the Anne Arundel County Food Bank. Fans who donate at least three canned or non-perishable food items will receive free admission to Tuesday's women's basketball game. And finally, the Kids Shipman Club is the official kids club of Navy Athletics. For just $20, your membership includes exclusive gifts, free tickets to Navy sporting events, a birthday card from Bill the Goat, and more. To register, visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Awesome interviews, awesome pod. So let's tell you what's coming up this weekend. I already told you about wrestling hosting the Navy Classic bright and early on Saturday. Come on out and support them. Uh, soccer against Georgetown Thursday at noon. We'll bring you all the action there. Hopefully we get a win and go on to play Tulsa. Men's basketball, as we said, plays UC San Diego at home Friday night at 7 p.m. Get your tickets and cheer them on. And then volleyball, as we said, gets to play Army up there on Saturday. Good luck to the ladies. Let's get some revenge. Uh, football, again, the, the kickoff at 11 a.m. on Saturday is no one's favorite time, but we'll deal with it. Um, and again, this is my shout out to please listen to Wags, EK, and Keenan as they break down that game in more detail later in the week. Best of luck to women's rugby as they host Northeastern at Greenberry Point at 3 p.m. Saturday. Uh, so you can watch some wrestling. You can go up to Greenberry Point. It's going to be a gorgeous day, although a little bit cold. Um, and watch the women's ruggers take on Northeastern. And then men's basketball again returns to play against Youngstown State on Sunday. So a little Friday night and Sunday afternoon action for men's basketball to try to get over that Coppin State loss. And finally, Good luck to Navy Water Polo this weekend. They're going up to Fordham for the Mid-Atlantic Water Polo Conference Tournament. As we go out, we'd love for you to hear from Coach Louis Nicolau about the tournament and his reflections on this most recent Veterans Day. Water polo is a unique sport at the Naval Academy, ladies and gentlemen, the only sport where the entire coaching staff are all veterans. So let's hear from Louis Nicolau right here. Coach Nicolau, thank you so much for coming back on the pod and, and walk us through the season. You've got a couple of weeks now between the last game against Hopkins, which was a win 21 to 11, a, a very good stamp on the end of the season. But how do you prepare now for the conference tournament going up to Fordham and playing a team that you literally just beat in Bucknell? Well, hey, thanks for having me, John. Um, you know, the season's been a roller coaster ride. We've had, you know, some good moments and some tough moments. Uh, Chris Whitehead, our SID, was telling me on Sunday that I think we have 15 games decided by two or less goals. And we've won some of those, but unfortunately, we've lost too many of those. And um, But we've played Bucknell twice this year and beat them both times. So now we got a third time here on Friday. And like I was telling the guys yesterday, that, that first game of a championship is by far the most difficult game. And we, we have... 
everybody playing to get in the semifinals. Now we'll have two games on Friday. We're going to first play Mercyhurst, you know, and I hope we can pull that off, assuming we will play Bucknell Friday night. But it's it's the worst feeling is to lose that first round game because you wake up Saturday morning really just playing for pride. So it all comes down to a couple of games on Friday. And um, I love our squad. These guys have battled really tough all season. Um, I know nobody wants to play us and it would be a tough out, but it's just a matter of being mentally ready to play come come next Friday. Jinx of the century there by walking right over Mercyhurst and going to Bucknell. But yeah, that's that's your first round game. You took care of them in the regular season. I was there at Lejeune last year when the championship game happened. You were able to host the tournament and Fordham you know, took care of business against you in the championship game. And, and then from my perspective as a sports fan, sort of sort of perform that definitely don't do it act of bringing their own flag, jumping into the pool throwing their coaches into the pool. I've talked to some of your players this year, guys like Michael Heller, who was just named offensive player of the week. Congrats to him. And and they all talked about how that stuck with them. And you were able to go back up to Fordham this past weekend and compete against them. You didn't get the result you wanted, but is, is that kind of your, your, you know, your, your big whale right now that, that you're trying to harpoon Fordham is the team that you've got to get through in order to make the next step as a program. Uh, no, no doubt about that. I mean, it's tough. You know, they're a really good program. We've been close. I mean, I think what what makes winning so special is losing. And obviously last year, it's a, it's a sour taste. Um, but it's it's been difficult. You know, the, with the whole COVID and these fifth and sixth year seniors, you know, all these teams have interjected, you know, one or two guys every year that are grad students that suddenly score 50, 60 goals. And it's kind of changed the landscape, you know, and I know we have one more year of that. and. Um, it's not to make excuses, but the reality is, you know, a lot of these teams, you know, you see it across the board. Like we were just talking about soccer last night. It's it's a different landscape right now in college sports, and uh, we got to rise up and we got to play a perfect game to beat those guys. On the subject of service, coach, I think you're probably the only staff on the yard that is completely comprised of veterans. Uh, yourself, Coach Pop, Ken Vincent. You, you've all served. If you can reflect a little bit for me on special it is for you to have veterans on your coaching staff who are all kind of programmed the same way to deliver those messages to the athletes. Well, as, as far as a staff, I think it's really, really vital. I mean, we understand what they're going through. You know, when, when I chose the academy back in 1988, I didn't know what the Persian Gulf was. I didn't know what was going on. I, you know, I was a kid that, you know, at that time was, I think, Navy was my best opportunity. I think about these young men and women now choosing to service academies and knowing the world's a crazy place and, and they're still making the tough choice. And I, to me, it's just a real honor to be with these guys and coach them. And, you know, again, like I said, for me, I didn't get it. You know, I was a young guy in the nineties. I really didn't understand as I, as I become older, I'm much more appreciative of service of people that served what it meant the sacrifice, the big picture. Maybe I'm just getting nostalgic as I get older, but I'm really proud of anybody that even thinks about serving our country. It's such an honor. It's such a privilege. And, um, you know, I'm so proud of all our young men and women at the Academy and all the academies for, for choosing to, to, to serve their country. Thank you for what you've done as a veteran. Thank you for what you continue to do for Navy Water Polo and the Naval Academy, your alma mater. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Louis Nicolau, November 18th, follow it. Make sure that Navy wins and has your support against Mercyhurst after that, taking on a tough Bucknell team. 
we will bring you the updates throughout. Coach, thank you. And Same to you, John. Thanks for having me. All right, boys, we are done. Thank you to Coach Louis Nicolau, Coach Kerry Colat, Scott Melamed, um, and Bill Wagner and Chris Cervello for everything that they do with the pod. Thank you to you, the fans, for continuing to tune in. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll bring you the UCF postgame pod um, after the game, provided that Wags comes back from his body surfing champion experience on the beaches of Florida. Uh, hopefully, we've got some good news for you. And then during Thanksgiving week, we'll have our regular podcast. Happy to welcome back Ashley Pelzik, a friend of the pod, to talk about women's basketball and some other great guests and maybe even some discussion about the Army-Navy uniform for the Army-Navy game. So thank you again to all of you listeners. We will see you next week. This is Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.